Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for April 9th of 2021. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHeads.com. This week on the podcast, we will uh, discuss the current state of the Pittsburgh Penguins, what's been going on, where they are in the standings, and um, kind of where they're going to be heading into the playoffs, uh, injuries, and of course, Monday trade deadline we're going to talk about potential uh, ideas or strategies players that not only for the penguins but maybe some overall discussion on some of these players and what needs to happen and uh, trade deadline usually pretty exciting time Uh, this year it's a little more muted the market is suppressed Uh, covid weird year weird season so I don't think we're seeing uh, going to see the fireworks that we normally see, um, even in an average year. But there are still uh, notable things to talk about, so we're going to do that. Uh, we're going to lead off quickly with where the Penguins are. They are currently third in the East Division with 52 points and 40 games played. And they are in a very good spot to make the playoffs to the point where... Um, I'm not really worried about them missing the playoffs at all, given that the schedule they have left is against the lower-tiered members of their division, namely uh, the Devils and the Sabres. Um, And the Philadelphia Flyers are 10 points behind in the standings, and they only have one game in hand on the Penguins. So I think Micah's site has the Penguins at, like, almost 90% the last time I checked. They're up there, anywho. So, Penguins in a good spot, even though a lot of injuries. They've, they've Over the course of the <clears throat> the Malcolm Crosby era, they've had lots of injuries almost every year, it's, and they seem it, to every be year, able to every. ride it out. Yeah. They seem to be able to ride it out, and people go, how do they do it? And the last couple of games that they lost is probably the result of everybody working really hard across a really condensed schedule. And I remember seeing Darren Millard say he's expecting to see a blowout a week. And, you know, Pittsburgh got their blowout. And it's literally because teams just don't have the juice in their legs. It's it's just not there. And when you're playing... Uh, with a lower level of talent than you're used to, those role players just get outworked, out-hustled, and because Penguin superstars, obviously they're missing one of them, um, are older, they just lose the tank a little bit quicker, unfortunately. So I don't know what they can do to alleviate any of that until they get their guys back. Um they, they have a lot of kind of guys on the same tier in the depth. Yeah. So Sullivan can rotate them in and out and play, start lessening the minutes for maybe some of the upper guys um, because they do have discretion if, in the standings. Yeah, I don't know if he feels particularly comfortable with that. Though. No, I don't think he does. I'm saying things that you could do to alleviate yeah. this. Uh, I, I would definitely you, I think be right. thinking about monitoring Sid most of all, and he's had a great year. I think he's in the top 10 in scoring again, uh, which is great. Um, Sid's been awesome this year. So 
I would start to look at managing him as we get closer to the end of the regular season. And, you know, Pittsburgh, it's only 16 games. And, you know, yeah. by the time this podcast gets released, the Devils-Penguins um, game tonight will have already started. So I think they're in a good spot overall considering the injuries. They were awesome in March. Really helpful the goalies played the way they did, even though they each took a turn giving up quite a few goals uh, against the Rangers. That's fine. I feel like that goalie run probably saved their season because they were... The team was, you know, ending up in the infirmary. They were losing players left, right, and center. And they, like, if the goalies just play average the rest of the way, which has always been our argument with the Penguins roster, they're going to be okay. Um, But if they hadn't have played out of their skin in that month, then Pittsburgh would be, I think, below Boston and and fighting with Philly. You know, the fact they do have... They might still be below Boston because Boston's got three games in hand and they're only four points behind. The thing with that is that that means Pittsburgh doesn't have to play Boston, and they're the only team out of the teams that are in the top four that I get fearful of. Boston's the one that I worry about. (laughs) Yeah, and um, I think, at least for me, I believe in their goaltending. I think Tuka Rask is really good. Halak, (laughs) for obvious reasons of yesteryear, um, he's still been a good goalie even, you know, without considering that. But most of all, not many people have the bragging rights of, you know, I consistently shut down Sidney Crosby, and one of them is Patrice Bergeron. And for some reason, Mike Sullivan likes that matchup, and I don't get it. He keeps going to it, even when they're home. So, yeah. It's not like it comes out in a wash. Often in those games, Sid ends up as a minus one. Like, it's not like it's not like that, that, that Sid's line's not getting scored on. I mean, that is the brilliance of that Bergeron, Pasternak, and... Um, oh, why can't I remember the rat's name? Marshawn. Thank you. Good grief. Uh, that's the brilliance of that line. <laughs> is... Um, they, they 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 don't just shut down the top line. They score on them. And that, to me, is what makes them incredible and ridiculously dangerous against Pittsburgh because you're right, the coach is just stubborn as, as fuck on that and just will not change that matchup, will not try to get away from it. And I think it's to the detriment of the team. So, you know, look, the other thing that's a little worrying is that Washington have finally got the can't beat Pittsburgh in the playoff monkey off their back. Will that release whatever tension there is against that club and have them just walk all over Pittsburgh? Nah, I don't mind that matchup, to be honest. I'm not, like, when I say I don't fear the Islanders or Washington, quite clearly they're two teams that have been successful this year and they've been. And have beat the Penguins in the playoffs most recently. Correct. I just hate watching Islanders games. They are ridiculously effective in playing the way they want to play. I mean,. They have barely scored any goals this year, but they have only had 92 goals against, which I think is the least in the quote-unquote East, Eastern Conference, if you look at it in that context. Boston being at 93, which is yeah. speaks to and Ve- not wanting to play Ve- them. Yes, and Vegas is 88. Although, which is... <laughs> I think you're under underselling the Islanders. They have 121 goals for the Bruins only 106. 
Yeah, they they have literally forgotten how to score. And it is interesting. Three, three when lines he's... of the Bruins have forgotten how to score. Yes. And it's, it is interesting seeing how many Bruins fans on Twitter are freaking the hell out on the fact that they've sat on their hands and haven't made any moves to try and shake the roster up slightly to help out said one-line scoring. <laughs> and and it's, it's like, I don't know what happened. Like, if Boston had been able to score, I reckon they'd be first in the division because they've lost a lot of games like 2-1, or 3-2 sort of thing. And you just you just sit there shaking your head going, what is going on over there? They have got injuries. They've got some serious injuries in their, in their D6. And uh, McAvoy went down the other day, which is... Which That's is not good. Bad. That's bad for hockey in general. He is brilliant. Well, I think the big thing, losing Chara and Krug, not good. And the way they lost them as well, I think... They didn't have to lose bit. Chara. They chose to... Yeah. Not that he's, like, great... But, you know, anyhow. But if he's your second, if he's your second or third line defenseman, like I would rather Char as our third pairing defenseman. Yep. So yeah, it is. It is all relative. You are correct. So, the injuries. Kasperi Kapanen probably broke a bone in his foot. Um, is my guess when the puck hit his skate and he couldn't come back in the game. Um. There are reports that four-week injury from the time he was injured, not from today. And Malkin's knee injury is still mysterious in time frame, uh, but they seem to think he'll be back by the time the playoffs start. So that's good. Um, Teddy Bluger is the one that's weird to me. He started practicing in full over a week ago, and he has not played, and I've yet to see if he's been... Um, put in the lineup tonight. I thought he was going to be back in the lineup last week, but he, he'll be back soon enough. Brandon Tanev, out for long term. That's not good. He's one of their 12 best forwards. Anytime you lose one of your 12 best forwards for an extended period of time, and I would say he's closer to, to 9 than 12. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, well, yes, that depends on moves made, but yes. So that was um, not good. Jari got hurt, and he missed a few starts, and when he came back, wasn't um, wasn't great in his return and got yanked after the first period. But then was all right in his start after. It's like he, ta- it's like he gets stuck in neutral first game back. <laughs> so... I think John Marino just got hurt recently, but I think he might be okay, good to go. So just a lot, a lot of a lot. And, um, you know, a lot of people are, um, the the depth has done a, a, a decent enough job, you know? Yes. But I think some people are overselling the depth, like, well, look at the depth go. The Penguins are doing fine. Do they really need to make a move? Yes. <laughs> yes, and the answer is yes. Okay, let's not get carried away. I think the East Division is at average at best, where maybe we thought it would be a little bit better before the season started. But let's be honest, the Penguins have been playing the Sabres, 
the Devils, the Rangers, and a, a little bit of the Bruins, who are a one-line team right now. So the, the thing with that is, I, you say the average. I think the top half is great, and then the bottom half is bleh. I don't think the top and, half is great, though. I, see, this is the thing. It's like, I think the Islanders are great. I mean... I don't. They're winning... Yeah, I know, but... I have a feeling with you it's stylistic more than anything else. No, it's... I hate the way they play, but they're successful. Like, that's the thing with the Islanders. Like, I hate the way they play, but they keep winning. Pittsburgh's had their number this year. That, look, and that that's that very true, but they're still good. I'm not saying and they're not good. Cor- correct. That's, that's, but that's the thing, and I'm like... You know, Buffalo and Jersey really bottom out the depth of what the division is, right? The Rangers weren't great at the start of the season, but have come on strong in the second half. Pittsburgh got to play a lot of their games against the Rangers early, so that kind of helped, and maybe that's why the Rangers look bad, because they played Pittsburgh so often. Who knows? Philadelphia is a tie fire of what the F is going on, because it's it's a up-and-down season in regards to what the hell Carter Hart's doing. And then, you know, like you said, Boston's a one-line team, but I think Boston Healthy are a good, like a better roster than currently going on. I, and the thing, the injury thing is across the league. If you have a look, there's yeah. barely a team that's actually healthy. So it's not like we're trying to make excuses here. The reality is that... More uh, more complimenting that they're, they're managing through it. Yeah, and the thing that's interesting is a league that struggles to have their superstars shine have had quite a lot of teams with the not the superstar players but the second tier players out and it's meant that a lot of the load has had to land on the superstars and luckily for the league McDavid and Matthews haven't been hurt <laughs> well because Matthews has been hurt he played through it his wrist wasn't doing yes. so hot for a while but I think it's starting to feel a little bit better but um I guess my point with with this is I think the Penguins can get through the East the first two rounds. I just think they're all all those teams are kind of mushed together. And you know, oh, there's a lot of variables that, that will go into who who wins, who loses those series. Pittsburgh can of course lose in the first round. Uh, but I also think they could win two rounds in a row. Here's the here's the issue of Oh, well, the depth players look pretty good against Buffalo, New Jersey, and the Rangers. Maybe they don't need to trade. Um, Here's a little reminder. Um, The Final Four is not conference-related anymore. I was about to ask you, who do they have to play? It's reseeded. Oh, fuck. So they could end up being the fourth team and have to play Colorado or Vegas or... Or Tampa. (laughs) Yeah, or Carolina. Yes, okay. So Tampa. Carolina, um, Colorado, Vegas, um, Toronto. Yeah, <laughs> I, I assume it will be Toronto. I, I like them the most, obviously. Yeah, but um, that's who you're gonna roll with that depth. I don't like that, and you need to, if you're going to be serious about winning this year and i think the team has done a a little bit better than i anticipated at the beginning of the year you gotta add and that's where we can start this whole conversation (laughs) so 
where are the penguins with this and what can they do and the answer truly is not a lot <laughs> i think they should be trying but here's the deal nothing i'm about to say is going to be news to anybody they don't have a lot of futures they don't have a lot of movable assets on the current roster and they don't seem to want to move the few good future assets they do have so that would pierre olivier joseph sam poulin nate laguerre um, the only one out of those i think joseph opens the door to moving petterson's money out whether that's yep. now or in the off season so i would rank it joseph uh better than those two uh, and of course he's already played in the nhl and looked like he could in the future play in the nhl whereas the other two guys are in their overage year in the QHL, QMJHL, and they're not exactly like ripping it up the way they should be in that league, at least in my opinion. Um, but Ron Hextel didn't rule out moving them, but I think the preference is to not do that. And that, of course, neuters your ability to, you know, make trades because what are you going to do? The other issue. You know, with the assets they have, and by the sounds of it, what are we looking at? Rentals? Um, rentals are usually not ideal, but I'm not totally against them in this situation. Um, even if they had assets for uh, acquiring players with term, okay, well, now you're dealing with expansion draft stuff. You got to protect an extra guy, so you might lose a guy. Like, it almost turns. So let's say I acquire a player with term, and they're a good player, so now you're protecting them. But it leaves, like, Teddy Bluger exposed. And I'm not saying losing Teddy Bluger is, like, the end of the world. I would prefer they not do that. But it turns Teddy Bluger almost into a rental player at that point. Do you actually get what I'm saying? I forgot about the expansion draft. Yeah, it adds a little weird wrinkle. And I don't think for yeah. the Penguins it's overly concerning. Like, here's a novel thought. Don't protect Brandon Tanev. <laughs> like, uh, Yeah, but, I mean, if you think that uh, the Kraken are going to take a different route than Vegas did, Tanev stays anyway. Like, I can't see them taking that Tanev No, but don't, don't waste a spot. Correct. Uh, yes. Yeah. Protect somebody else. And I think it's Tanev's like, had a you, good year, so this isn't me. Like, but that contract's yeah, not it, good. No, it's it's contract management more than player management. That that's it'd be like you don't protect Matheson and pray that they're idiots. Scenario. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm not protecting Matheson. Any. No, no. But just yes. Um, <laughs> it's it's. Uh, who is it? It's Latang Dumoulin. Uh, I don't think Marino is even eligible for it. Um, we, the, the, do you? Is it Pedersen? Yeah, I guess it's Pedersen. So, so that's that's odd, considering that we both want to move him. Yeah, but you, you know, you don't want to lose for nothing if you can get a, even a yes. draft pick. Well, true. Do you like? Yeah, it's a split, isn't it? You, you have to protect X amount of defensemen, and you Three. have to protect. Three. So you can't do two and six or something like that, can you? No, seven and three makes sense for the Penguins. The other one's four and four. 
if you had yeah, four defensemen yeah. you cared about, I don't think the Penguins do, considering no. Marino is not eligible. So it's like, okay, obviously it's... So you're talking about Teddy Bluger or Tanev being exposed, really, I think. Um, not, I'm not trying to turn this into an um, expansion podcast. No, but it, you're right. It, as you said, it's a wrinkle, and I'd forgotten. So the, totally six, forgotten. the six players are Malkin, Crosby... Gensel, Rust, Kapanen, McCann. I would protect McCann at this point. He's had a very nice season. And then it's Bluger or Tanev, and it's Bluger all day for me. What about Zucker? Who? Oh, Zucker. Jason Zucker. Ah, shit. He's, sorry, the thing I'm looking at, he's on the, still on the injured thing. Yeah, I guess Bluger. No, but, yeah. I don't know, Zucker. You could probably go shopping with his money. Well, that yeah, and you, you look. Listen to us. We've even skipped over the playoffs now. We're expansioning drafted. Look at us go. Because <laughs> yes, you get there and go. Look, I know Zuck has had it down here. I wouldn't expect him to play like this next year. I think he'd be a very. Well, I'm not looking to get rid asset. of him. No, no, no. But I would prefer to keep McCann over him because he's a little more Swiss Army knifeish. He can do more things, and he does seem to shoot at a high percentage. Yeah. Oh, that's a conversation down the line. Um, as far as tonight's concerned, Bluger is not in the lineup. So, again, a little weird. Thought he'd be back. But well, check out check out this I... bottom six. Aston Reese, <sighs> Goudreau, Lafferty is the third line. Oh, Jesus Jankowski, Sevier, and Radim Zahorda, who's actually been good. Okay, so this, you've said this before, and I totally agree. There is no way Jankowski should be in this lineup when healthy. I don't think Hextall wants him in there either, because he started praising a bunch of depth guys, and he did not mention Jankowski. Yeah, and it, it's, it's, I get there and go, I would rather Zahorna. Yeah, he's been, you know, I don't yeah. know what to make of him. He's been good. He scored twice in four games. Um, his... His hockey DB page is really weird. Um, not a huge sample of games at any level. All the stats are like kind of okay, and um, he's off to a good start in the NHL. Is uh, Corsi is like eighty percent through four games. <laughs> it, um, it is interesting because he is big but can move. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, give me all of that. Don't run Jankowski <laughs> back out there over and over again. Nope. So. Um. So that's kind of, <laughs> yeah, release the Zahorna. <laughs> so I believe <laughs> what I was going with uh, a few weeks back. And I was doing it in jest, but he ended up being okay. Um, so you want to talk specific players on the trade deadline? Yeah, but are we, like, there are things where you get there and go, these particular players would be great. Bit unrealistic, right? So, do we want to discuss those and how they sh- could maybe be kill hauled in, which I think is impossible, or do we want to discuss an area where it's possible both. they could do something? I say both right, because you, you... for an overall um, holistic, like talking about the whole league, some of these names apply to you know other teams, yeah. maybe not the Penguins, and I think one of them's Taylor Hall. He's the he's the ace in the hall for everybody. 
Basically. And I think he is. He's a good player still. His finishing is in like the zero percent tile <laughs> this year. Um, and that's bad. And it's not like he's um, always been a good finisher. But he has like two or three goals. He should have like eight, nine, or ten goals based on how he's playing. That's how the, the luck has been going this year for him. He's he's in the 98th percentile as far as driving offense. Like, that's valuable. He's a good player. He's on terrible luck this year. Um, it's a buyer's market, and I'm not saying a buyer's market for necessarily Pittsburgh, but you saw um, Kyle Palmieri. Palmieri. Um, he... He was kind of second to to Hall in the, you know, scoring winger acquisition category, right? And he well, only went that's... for a first and a fourth with Travis Zajac. Yeah. And just, at 50% yeah. retained. I know. I saw it was with the two of them, and I've gone, they got two roster players for peanuts. Salby retained. And, you know, they're obviously trying to fill the hole that Anders Lee's left. Uh, yeah, I, you just sit there and go, if that doesn't prove to you, like you said, that it's a buyer's market, I don't know what does. It's either a buyer's market or the uh, Tom Fitzgerald did a terrible job. And in a, in this in a sense, I think he did. Why not wait till Saturday, Monday. Sunday, yeah. Monday? Like, what if, I don't know, name your contender team that has a winger get hurt long term you you don't think they're gonna be desperate that was the I best just, deal it, you had to rush into it, it yeah the timing of it baffles me because it's not like the islanders are like we can't do the seven day wait they don't have a seven day wait to worry about it's oh just, the quarantine it's inter- yes. yeah it's an internal trade sort of deal so i just yeah i i, I don't i don't get that at all and that's yeah so Good, good for the Islanders. Um, and, and here's make... the thing: is some people are like, "Why are the Islanders?" I don't, I don't want to say that people are saying they're all in, but like, why are the Islanders buyers? Why are they? Look at their roster. The biggest, they're they're significant players outside of like Matt Barzell are all thirty-ish. They are in all. They're in a win now window. Whether or not you think it's a good win now window is a different conversation. But their window is now. Yeah, yeah, it's now or never with this roster and this coach. Like it's that this is it because yeah, everyone, the majority of the offense is old. So and I, I, not Lou Lamarillo's biggest fan, but I get him spending a first round pick because what is he doing with this roster in the general scope of how it's built like if you're not doing it now then when when so he i thought he got a pretty decent deal um he got the top winger well not the top winger the one of the top wingers and uh uh, middle of the road travis ajak which i thought was you know, it's good for depth. They, they got themselves covered for another injury if need be. And um, what it means for Taylor Hall, I don't know. I wasn't very impressed with Kevin Adams' 
third and a fifth for Eric Stahl. Yeah. I, I know Eric Stahl hasn't been a good year, but I think everybody kind of understands Buffalo fucking sucks, and everybody sucks there right now because it's Buffalo. Yeah. Everybody's everybody's graphs have had a precipitous slide whenever they've hit, gone into Buffalo. <laughs> Everyone's 2021 graph's not great. No. So it's going to be really curious to see, and I think Taylor Hall... He might not go for a first-round pick. Still doesn't make it manageable for Pittsburgh, though. If it was a second-round pick, it would. But here's the deal. Pittsburgh doesn't really need a left-winger right now, considering McCann can go there. I think even Hextall kind of uh, subtly alluded to Bluger maybe even going there. Uh, because they got Gensel, um, you got McCann, you got Zucker... If it doesn't that just give you the whole next man up but trickle down if you can plug him in? Yeah, I mean, even if okay, he ends so up, let me even be clear. if he ends up on your if he ends up on your third line, if Taylor Hall ends up on your third line, his ability to keep the puck in the offensive zone is better than what Pittsburgh have got currently on their third line. No, no, uh, let me be clear. I would take Taylor okay. Hall at a at a proper at, at a buy low price and they, yeah, they okay. can find a way to make that work. Um, I just True. think there's too much There'll be too much competition, I think. Even a team like Colorado might get in on that. Toronto, Boston. Um, I thought the Islanders, for before they did their thing, maybe would get on it. Um, so how do they cap him in, though? Uh, the Sabres would retain half. I suppose it's only for a season. Well, whatever's left of. I don't know. I don't. Again, that's, that's not all of gonna these are to... going to be Penguin-centric yeah. ideas. Just overall, Taylor Hall, I just wanted to say he's an incredible buy-low candidate. I think he's going to do really well if he gets put on a contender. I really do. And when's he ever been on a contender? Uh, the answer is never. Never. His career path has sucked. <laughs> the entire his entire career has sucked. Not like individually, but team wise, it has sucked. Now, what will be interesting is he leaves Edmonton, they start making the playoffs. He leaves Arizona, they start making the playoffs. He leaves New Jersey, New Jersey don't. But if he leaves Buffalo and next year they're oh, way let's not better. fucking get carried away here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get Sorry. carried away. I, I couldn't help it. A lot Listen, of like you can that say out. that he leaves and they make the playoffs, but when he's there, the teams earn number one overall draft picks. He had, so he's he helping had, you he out. had a stretch where like Indeed. his teams got number one picks left and right. So, um, yeah, so. You know, <laughs> I, I think whoever gets him is going to get him at a reasonable price. And I think it's it would be a good move for whoever gets him. Um, somebody else that was on my not-realistic radar for Pittsburgh, but it will, will be an interesting name, Nick Felino of the Blue Jackets. Blue Jackets are a yard sale. They're not making the playoffs. Well, I don't oh, think they're making the funny. playoffs. John Tortorella's... Uh, um, you know, his his time is looking to be come and gone. Um, Felino, the only reason I bring him up is 
you keep hearing about big and physical forward as far as what Pittsburgh wants, and I think that's a little bit of Brian Burke at play. You can't tell me Brian Burke wouldn't be like a Nick Foligno guy, you know? Yeah. So will Columbus trade with Pittsburgh given, you know, the rivalry? I know they're not technically in the same division at the moment, but um, I have a feeling Nick Foligno would draw interest around the league, whether it's warranted or not. His offense, not really – it's slightly below average. Um, His defense, really good still. Um, I don't think this team needs. I don't want that. Yeah, correct. I, you know, it's one of those things where they seem to be pretty okay at suppressing shots. Yeah, they right? are. The, the the difficulty is, are the goalies going to turn up or not? And and that's a relatively uh, league wide issue. It's probably only ten goalies that you trust <laughs> that they're going to turn up basically every night. Yeah, Pittsburgh's a top ten shot suppression team, so not, yeah. I'm not really looking to. Um, get aggressive there. They are... They're a game-breaker They're only short. 24th in the league in, in creating shot attempts. They're a game-breaker short. So... Like, always going back to Phil Kessel, that's the sort of player they're short. They're short of a creative player, and Flano doesn't bring it. But he could be an yeah. interesting piece for some other teams. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes, that's absolutely He's true. their captain, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, he is. And it almost feels and like they he's leading the charge. To... Yes, but it also feels like he's leading the charge to get rid of Tortorella as the captain. Yeah, I don't blame him. That's a long time to be no, no, Tort. It does, it does show you where they're at, though. Usually Tortorella has the captain on his side, mm-hmm. and it can generally work. But that I think that feels like that ship has sailed. So... I don't have much more on Felino. The next player I do think could help Pittsburgh, but I don't see their asset pool being where it needs to be. And that's Scott Lofton of the or Lawton of the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, I'm looking at some of the Jay Fresh charts right now. 67 percentile in WAR, 57 percent offense, 35 defense. I don't care about defense. I think I've made that clear for a while. Um, 91st percentile goals per 60, 87% uh, primary assists, finishing 79%. And, and for those of you that love penalty killers, he's 68th percentile, which is useful. He can play center or wing, much like McCann, and that gives you flexibility. I think he'd be a great fit for Pittsburgh. Unfortunately, I think a lot of other teams are feeling the same way. Um, and maybe even the Flyers, because he's uh, pending UFA, um, just like Hall, just like Felino, And I think the Flyers might make an attempt to re-sign him. He might not get traded at all. But if you were to try and trade for him, you'd have to make it worth their while. And last but not least... It's the fucking Flyers and Penguins, so... <laughs> when was the last time they did a deal with each other? Because they have. Mark Streit got traded. Oh, but, no, that's But there a was a middleman with Tampa. Yeah. So... Yeah, there was a three Philly line. traded Streit to... Or straight? Streit? Um, to Tampa, and then Tampa flipped it to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, I swear they did a deal. However, here's the difference now versus then. Ron Hextall, now a Penguin, was a flyer. Chuck Fletcher, former Penguins assistant general manager, 
now Flyers GM. So maybe it's not quite like that anymore. Uh, Bobby Clark still has a fair bit of say on what goes you on. You think so? Yeah. Well, fuck him. <laughs> yeah, just just saying that you come up with this great deal and he goes, not doing it with them. And it's like, oh, for fuck's sake. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, so here's another of the not likely group, but my favorite. And this is, you know, we mentioned this back in January. Oh, Ryan, Ryan Getzlaff. <laughs> I don't even think Ryan Getzlaff wants to be moved. He has a full new move clause. So, you know, whatever. We can dream. <laughs> I can dream. But he, the thing is, though, if I was Getzlaff, I would get there and go, I know my season here in Anaheim is toast. Yeah, I'll go trade for a few months and I'll come back. Correct. Because he's going to go back there if, if they trade him. And it's it's all wherever he wants to go. And He could really actually help the team by getting a couple of high draft picks here and suddenly well, turn the franchise the around. <laughs> there goes yeah, the, correct. There go the Penguins. Yeah. Um, correct. But I would have to say, as far as like um, no move clause, Brian Burke being in Pittsburgh is actually helpful in this situation. At least I perceive it to be. So you might actually have Ryan Getzlaff be like, you know what? Yeah, Brian Burke was good to me, and Brian Burke is good to his players. Yeah. Um, maybe Getzlaff, and I'm not, I'm just throwing a hypothetical out here. I'm not saying this is even true. If, if Getzlaff said, I want to go to the Penguins, I think the Ducks would move him and make it happen, even if the return wasn't what you would think the return would be for him. Again, I'm not. I get it. This is not happening. That's why I put it in no, my no, blog no. today. The not likely group. <laughs> the thing with that though is that obviously we're looking at it from a Pittsburgh lens. That could happen to go to other teams, mainly because he goes. You know what? I could win a cup in Colorado, or I could win a cup here. Let's let's try and make this work. They might get good assets back, but have to retain salary. Ryan Getzlaff might not even be interested in chasing a cup. No, I, he's got I understand that. Yeah. And he's got like so, 500 gold medals. <laughs> he does have a few of those, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? His legacy's not on the line. Correct. He's not He's not chasing it like a, like a poor it's old Jason Spezzer is. Yeah. They're both in Toronto. No, Pittsburgh, <laughs> if Pittsburgh can't... Yeah, I know. If Pittsburgh can't win it, I, I want to see Spezzer... Win it. I know that they lost to I love Jason Ducks. So do I. I know they lost to said Ducks. He's the, one uh, of the last players to use a full wooden stick. He's one of the last players to use a two-piece stick. And <laughs> I always liked my... Some players like their sticks short. I always uh, like mine uh, probably longer than average. And I think Jason Spezza's puck handling, he uses a really long stick. And... I always thought he had the best hands out of anybody considering how far away from the body he was pulling the moves off. Jason yeah. Spetz is a favorite of mine. Um, he's really talented, and I too would enjoy um, seeing him victorious. Yeah. So. I, I I feel it's one of those things where if it can't be Pittsburgh, I want it to be like him and Thornton, and then I get there and go, yeah, but it's more fun to watch the Toronto fans lose their shit when they lose again. So, I don't mind Toronto. I actually like Toronto. I, I like the roster. I like the players on the roster, all that kind of stuff. But there is that, just see them fall apart again, like the fans. 
I mean, would just be. It, it, the, I think Canada would would blow up just purely from that part of the country, and it would just crumble the rest of the country. It would be that cataclysmic. Yes, yes, it would. <laughs> no argument there. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna move on to maybe some of the and and I looked at the TSN uh, trade bait list. That there's not a lot there this year. Flat cap. Flat cap. Uh, yeah, like we, David Savard's at number one. They're doing it as most likely traded, so it's they're not saying he's the best. Yes, I get I get what you're saying, yeah. But whatever. David Savard, sure. Mike Hoffman's on there. What's the go with Hoffman? I Great I shooter, feel, not much else. Right. I just I feel like when he played against Pittsburgh in that playoff series with Ottawa. Yeah, great shooter. kinda of like Mike Camilleri. Yeah, I just thought, yeah, there might be a bit here, but yeah, there's not. <laughs> no, he's a empty calorie player, but, you know, he can score goals. So don't want to take that away from him, but that's kind of what the deal is there. So yeah. not a lot of other huge names. Um, looking down the list. Former Penguin Alex Goligoski. Um, I, I stand by what I said before. Pittsburgh are lacking a game breaker. Like they've got they've got three and they're not getting game breakers. Well, they're going to get one Correct. in Malkin. Right, but they've got three: of them. Crosby, Latang, and Malkin. I don't really class Gensel as a game no, breaker. No, he's not, but the, he's excellent. Correct, and and that's probably the thing for me about having lost Kessel is they don't have that other one. Not sure Kessel and, would even be that guy. Well, I, I just think I think his passing was so underrated that his ability to fly the zone, get speed, and back the defenders up created for other people. So whilst he couldn't go and do what Crosby and Malcolm do, which is basically make a play all on their own and score on them by themselves. He created so many opportunities for other players on his line that that to me is what made him so good and made his lines that he played with so good. And, and there's nobody else out there that Pittsburgh can realistically acquire. And there's nobody else in the lineup once they get Malcolm back that can do that. Kasperi Kapanen's a great ride the coattails kind of guy. Uh, Jake Gensel's more than that. Zucker should be a ride-the-coattails kind of guy in regards to offensive production. Um, you, you kind of hope that he's got the monkey off his back and he can he can score a little bit more. They're just missing that one extra person for that third line that can make that kind of stuff happen for their teammates or for themselves. And there's no one out there to do that. So I don't know how they... You know, they're adamant they're going to add... I just don't know if what they're going to add is going to help do what they need them to do. Okay. Agreed. There's no game breaker. But I think there are um, some interesting names. I don't know how realistic as far as... Okay, so 
the guy, and I talked about signing him over the offseason, and I brought him up a few times in the last year. Michael Granlund of the Predators is an unrestricted free agent. Um, having a solid season, he's still offensively competent. He's in the 76th percentile at driving offense. Um, 49 defensively, so he's not even like a complete scrub defensively. Can play center, although most times plays right wing. I think they could use another right winger, to be I honest. I have no argument there. Yep. Um, here's the issue. I think Nashville's in the fourth playoff spot in their division, and they've been on quite a run. I don't think they're going to be sellers, even though they should be. It's one of those situations where, yeah, you're making a run right now, and it's really cool that you did, but big picture, this run isn't going anywhere. Yeah. So got, you should they, stick they to your all, yeah. you should stick to your plan as though the run didn't happen. But they're not going yeah. to because they um they have the, they had hard decisions they had to make before they went on the run that were going to be easier to sell in the sense of well we're we're not going to make the playoffs this year we'll just accrue assets for all of these unrestricted free agents that are coming up and now they're going to hold on to them yeah probably maybe even add, and maybe even add which is because just bonkers nuts. Because they're 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 four points clear of Chicago, and Dallas are three games behind, and even if Dallas win those three games, they're still a point behind Nashville, and Dallas's schedule between now and the end is fucked because they're so condensed. They've got a heap of games like all backed up. I think they've got a a couple of they might have a. I don't think the league's allowed to have five games in a week. Right. Uh, I think they may when I was have doing five games hockey in... this year, there were a few circumstances where uh, yeah. my player had five games that week. The Dallas is going to have a stretch of seven days where they play five games. Now, if they come out of that four and one or four zero and one and get nine points out of ten, then they make the playoffs. But if they don't do that in that seven game stretch, their season's toast. Like, that, that seven-game stretch could wreck their year. All because of COVID. Like, no fault of their own, in one sense. You know what I mean? So, you you sit there with that. And if I was national, I'd feel reasonably confident right now that they're going to make the playoffs. But adding to this roster would just be crazy. They should be selling. So Yes, even, yeah, right, even now. Even though they, they may make the playoffs, sell. But general managers don't usually do that. But doesn't do that. this sum up, like, the Penguins trade deadline talk? Michael Granlin makes sense. The Predators should sell. It's a buyer's market. Penguins should have assets that, you know, would be able to get a guy like that. Except it's not happening because, <laughs> you yeah. know. I, I do think Granlin would be one of those. He's at the price point that would make sense for them and help them be more offensive. Not, yes, not a ton. Absolutely. But depth-wise, for sure. Um, so, yeah. Of course, of course not. So, <laughs> I love how resigned we are. So like, this makes sense. I, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to make the you know we're doing a podcast. It's supposed to be interesting. That's the nature of it. I just uh, I'm having trouble shining this up because <laughs> the Penguins, based on what they want to give up, 
you know, it's not going to be unless, you know, we get a shocker and then, hey, that'll be something to Take talk it. about. Um, I, I just don't this see a, it. And we, For years, you and I sat there and said, don't give up all of these draft or young assets just for rentals or trying to correct, you know, fucked up trades you made earlier. But they've got past like, that point of no return. Yes, that's exactly my point. Right now, throw them away. You've got maybe three years max. Max. Max, right? Two, with the, with the, if you're with lucky, the big three. I think. Yeah, with the big three. So it's like, I hate to say this this way, but do a Rutherford and just throw mud on the wall and see what sticks. Because once the, once those three go, those two, well, we've got one general manager and a hockey, hockey ops guy. They're not going to be around for the rebuild. You know well, what I mean? Still might. I think that's why they want it. Yeah, alright then. Well, if that's the case, then... See, the problem I have with that then is that he is going to be thinking about beyond three years' time. Well, I think he's you trying know, to he balance it. To have... I, I think he's yeah. said the right things. I think he hasn't yeah. shut out a rental. I think he, he... he He's thinking about what he's doing. I can only go by the quotes, so... Of course. I... I think he's being mindful of the situation, uh, whereas the last guy would be very susceptible to small samples and emotion. <laughs> yeah, but see, the thing is, though, I want these guys to swing for the fences like Rutherford did. I just want them to take a different analysis of what to swing for. Okay, well, that's now. fair. I don't think... Um, I think Brian Does Burke that could sense? be that guy. Yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like... You've got three years, like I said, max, with, with this particular core of players that are the whole reason you're good. You you just need to swing for the fences. I, I think the analysis of what you need to swing for and, and who you try to grab needs to definitely be different than the way Rutherford did and that. And this draft is weird. So, Well, the next draft's going to be weird as well. No, like, I mean, you're, no, you're still going to see players play. This, yeah, everyone's this draft gonna have was, stunts like, of juniors wasn't even playing a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a real, it's a crapshoot year. So if you were going to move a second round pick, although the flip side of that is if you actually had built-in analytics on the lower leagues, yeah, you could I probably could clean up. Pick a gym. You could pick a gem or two in the lower round. I get what, yes, but I don't think enough teams have that, do they? Or do any teams have that? I don't know. I'm just saying, like, if you had built-in information and you invested in it, you could do well in a weird draft. He said that's that's where teams like Toronto should be throwing all their money into, is that stuff. That's what would separate them. Yeah, there's no the cap. the salary cap, correct. It's the, it's, the, it's the way you spend your money outside of the... That's where they should be throwing all of that extra freaking Toronto money, not necessarily into the roster because you can't go above the cap. That's where they should be throwing it. Tell you where not to throw it. Luke Glenn Denning. <laughs> what a transition. That was brilliant. Uh, he's on my list of uh, maybe Penguins do it, but holy shit, do not do it. His J Fresh chart is... He's a red wing, and it's really red, and you want to be blue. <laughs> His war, 2%. You see, I, like... You you do this stuff and you get there and you can go. He's terrible. Yeah. But why is he face off? This this isn't literally. See, this is the the things that 
hockey guys on TV and on radio and talking head shows value at times baffles the fuck out of me because you sit there and go what is the point of adding a guy like Luke Glendinning when Pittsburgh have enough players that they can put in because you don't put Malcolm out there in the last minute in the defensive zone to win a draw right you do put Sidney Crosby in. I don't even think you put Malkin in the offensive <laughs> zone no, to no, win a no. draw <laughs> correct but Pittsburgh have got enough players that you can get there and go confidently, hey, it's at least a 50-50 scenario, right? Unless it's Gino. <laughs> um, Taylor Haas of, um, from uh, DK's site, I added her tweet below Glenn Denning in my blog because it said, Freddie Goudreau took 12 faceoffs tonight. He won 11. <laughs> you already have a better Luke Glenn Denning. Yeah. Just... It's Don't just... I, I only put him there because on the TSN trade bait, he's number seven. That's what I mean. Like that's the bit that I don't get. I know you didn't put them in there because you thought he was valuable. That's the no, he's not. It, it's, he stinks. It, yes, it. That's the that's the disconnect. That I will it ever disappear from from the mouthpieces? I don't know because I'll, from the sounds of it, there's a lot of hockey players that are coming out of hockey that still don't want to listen to the advanced numbers, right? Not so even where are they that going advanced to, go? to get to why he stays. You know, I get that. But they, 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 they're the next lot of players that are going to go into TV and they're going to obviously push their point of view of hockey, which is perfectly their right. But it's just it's going to take a long, slow shift before you, you stop seeing a guy like Luke Glendinning Seventh on the list of most likely to move because he can win you a draw. Or that Detroit's just selling. Um, so Now, um, Ottawa, Ryan Dezingle. So we're getting into my Canadian quarantine division where you got to wait a week. <laughs> he that. is uh, Mike Hoffman bargain bin. While Mike Hoffman's in like the upper 90 percentile of finishing... Dezingle is 84% finisher uh, percentile, but he also 10% offense, 18% defense. Empty calorie player, but why pay the Hoffman price when you can get him? And he would push Jankowski out of the lineup, so I'm happy with that. Not even advocating for Penguins to get him, just overall, why go Hoffman when you can get him much cheaper? In my opinion. I think his value is cheaper. Um, That would be a wise thought. The other player that I found that was on an expiring contract that I thought was most interesting is Josh Levo. He's the former Maple Leaf who kind of was on the Marlies doing well, never kind of was able to earn a permanent spot there. Played a little bit in Vancouver. Now he's on the Flames. His underlying numbers are decent. 49 offense, 77 defense. I know I want an offensive player, but if you're near 50%, I'll take it because he can play either wing. His finishing, 52%. His war, 57%. What do you think the cost of acquisition is going to be for someone like that? I do not think it would be high at all. It would be right in the wheelhouse of what Pittsburgh could give up. 
and I think he provides a service and a use that they do not have. One in, one out, Jankowski. Send him back. Well, I think I did joke at that. But even like Colt <laughs> Sevier or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It doesn't. It might not even have to be a draft pick. It could just be um, something along those lines. If you get rid of an, if, yeah, if Sam you can Lafferty, flip an expiring, yep, expiring for an expiring, and in fact, getting rid of Lafferty would be great because he's got another year on his contract, so it gives you more cap space the next year as well. So he's kind of and, one that I wasn't thinking about a lot. I was going through all the cap friendly, who's expiring, and. I, I actually ignored Canada altogether for a while because of the quarantine. And then I'm like, eh, it's only seven days, I guess. Penguins are can wait the seven days. They're in a good spot in the standings. I'm not saying this is a player who's going to make or break the Penguin season. But low acquisition cost? Probably not the worst you could do. No, that's true. The, the, the make or break for Pittsburgh is going to be Malkin. That's the reality. As it always is. Yep. He's your make or break. And he was playing great before the injury. After a slow start. Yeah, definitely after a slow start. So I'm hoping he gets enough time in the regular season to kind of, you know, get his footing because I don't want him to start fresh in the playoffs. They, they need him going right away. Yeah, yeah. Because they, they, they've, the club's literally been saying on top of the playoffs, haven't they? They haven't really given any sign that there's going to be sort of like wiggle room for him. So I'm hoping they're just being conservative when they say that. Yeah. And and here's the other thing. Like you could Patrick Kane him. Remember when Patrick Kane just kind of came back for the playoffs, Blackhawks made a bunch of deadline moves. They otherwise wouldn't have had room for. And then they went on I and won it all. I, I don't see the Penguins being able to make those kind of moves anyways. So it's yeah, him, Malkin coming back. I would rather see that than some situation that's not going to happen where, you know, they use his LTIR cap space to, to get stuff. I just don't see I that. I was happening. wondering, yeah, I was wondering if they were thinking of attempting to do that. Um, but they don't have much but, to move, so. Correct. That's right. Um, it doesn't, yeah. So. Yeah, I wish I wish there was more to discuss at the deadline as far as the Penguins are concerned, especially um, somebody who writes for Hockey Buzz, which is a trading rumor site. But, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. I think the Penguins are still in good shape overall. It will be interesting to see what they do just because new regime, interesting situation to be in. Um, and we'll see how it plays out um, as it leads into Monday. So, um I don't think I have anything else because I'm kind of itching to uh, go watch this game, I guess. Yeah, I've, I've got nothing else. We should probably wrap this up so the game can go and be viewed. Okay, so enjoy the trade deadline. Uh, we'll have plenty to say whether the Penguins uh, make a move or not make a move next week because obviously it shapes their, their future short and long term. So should be interesting. 
and we'll uh, give you the recap uh, of everything that happened. So uh, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.